You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. There's a stock boilerplate sermon to be preached about today's gospel text about how you shouldn't be like the scribes and be super showy about your religion and your giving, but should be more like the widow and quietly give all you can to the church. Blah, blah, woof, woof. I've heard that sermon many times in my life, either on this text or on similar texts in other gospels that make the same point. And it would be an especially good sermon to give today as we prepared for the congregational meeting and the vote on next year's budget. In fact, it would probably be Half-Ass's first actual stewardship sermon. (laughs) But wow, is it boring, and wow, is it not what I want to talk about. I want to talk, if not in defense of, certainly in sympathy with the scribes. Not the devouring widow's houses stuff, of course. But I want to take a look at this text from a different viewpoint. A therapist recently told me that I have a constructivist view of reality, which I think is a polite way of saying that I don't have a very firm grasp on what's real and what's not, (laughs) but I'm good at hiding it. And anyway, there's something that I see in this text that doesn't get talked about, that doesn't, I think, even get noticed. Whether it's real or not is for you to decide. I own a lot of very geeky t-shirts. Like a lot, a lot. Dozens, easily, hundreds maybe. Across all, all kinds of fandoms, comics, movies and TV, books, video games, and many mixtures of all of the above. Add in sweaters, leggings, socks, hats, scarves, jewelry, and I could do different combinations of fandoms for months. Some of you may have read my Facebook post about how I um, accidentally dressed as Captain America for Halloween. (laughs) Because I had a big test that morning I was very anxious about. I wanted to dress in a way that would help me feel powerful. So I put on my Captain America sweater and my matching socks. Wasn't until I got to the campus and saw someone in a costume that I even remembered it was Halloween. (laughs) I wear my t-shirts and all partially to improve my own mood and disposition, but also as signals to other people. I love it so much when somebody gets one of my t-shirts and gives me a knowing smile and nod. I do a lot of that kind of signaling. My purse and my school backpack have pins and buttons on them as a way of reaching out to the same people that would get my t-shirts. My laptop is covered with stickers. I have Harry Potter license plate frames on my car. I've worn these cuffs pretty much continuously for more than four years now to try to silently communicate with a different, often overlapping group of people that I belong to their tribe too. Communicating to a group like that is one of the reasons that I've worn a black ring on my right hand for the last couple of years. I wear these markers not to fit in, but to try to communicate to others that the way I don't fit in 
is maybe similar to the way that they don't fit in. And maybe we can connect over that. And I think of those scribes wearing their long robes so that they might be greeted with respect in the marketplace. Maybe saying long prayers in the temple so as to be noticed. Was the Palestine 30 AD equivalent of wearing a big button that says, I'm a slayer, ask me how. (laughs) I really don't think I'm alone in wanting to be known. I may be more aggressive in advertising it than some. I may have more invested in trying to silently communicate who I am than most. But I imagine there are very few of us who are completely blank slates when we go out into the world, happy to let people read whatever they want into our identities. I may be more deliberate and aggressive about it than most, but I am of the MTV, too much is never enough generation. Being seen, being known is, I believe, a universal human need. We don't want to be anonymous, invisible ciphers. I think many of us are more discriminating and subtle about it than I am. Some of us want to be, just want to be known by one or two people or are happy if there's just one someone who can look at them and see them and know them. And there are, sadly, many who cannot show their faces, true faces to the world. In our culture of rape and violence against women, Many feel the need to be as inconspicuous and invisible as they can possibly be, stifling what they would want to be, what they would love to be, what they would love to show the world in the name of safety. Others, because they are gay, trans, or otherwise queer, know that they must hide either because they are not out or, again, because they don't feel safe showing their true being to this culture to those who would harm them. Before I came out, my basic uniform was jeans, t-shirt, and a pair of light hiking boots. Partially that was because that's what I had worn to work for the previous decade or so, and partially because it was something that made it super easy to blend into the background and to be invisible. The first person I came out to, the first person outside my head that I said the word transgender to, was a seminary classmate named Ani. I asked Ani to meet me in a private place on campus and spent a good part of an hour explaining what I was feeling and exploring what the future might look like. Ani was very supportive and I'm happy she's the first person I told. Near the end of the conversation, I asked her if she thought people would notice or think it odd if I started to wear pink socks because I knew from past experience that even something as simple as that could help me with the pain of not being able to be myself. Plus, I knew that between my jeans and the high-top boots, if I was careful, I could hide them from most anybody else ever seeing them. She replied that she didn't think anyone would notice that, but maybe if I started wearing pink bracelets, somebody might notice. A year later, when I came out to everyone on campus at the seminary, One of the first changes to my appearance I made was to slip 20 or 30 pink and black jelly bracelets on my left wrist. I wore those bracelets continuously for the next couple of years in the same way I wear these cuffs today. Now, I don't know if the scribes wore their long robes and said their long prayers out of some neurotic need to be seen and known, if it was the result of a narcissistic personality disorder, or if they just knew that those practices 
In those practices, they were, they were simply emphasizing the status and privileges that they were already entitled to, that they were greedy for, that, for those accolades and privileges that went with them. Jesus certainly implies that it was the third thing, their greed and hunger for praise and adoration. But I like to think that there was at least one of them with a really, really bad case of imposter syndrome who was desperately clinging to outer clothing and other appurtenances so they could convince themselves that they belonged where they were. After warning us against the scribes, Jesus sits down opposite the treasury and does some people watching. I want to emphasize that. In the middle of his inexorable three-year journey towards the cross, with so much to do, so many people he could heal, so many he could preach to, Jesus sits down and spends his afternoon just watching the crowd come and go. Think about that and what it says about Jesus and about God. God's love for humanity is so great that they feel spending a day just watching us in our routine journey through life is an important way to spend their time on earth. We talk in the scriptures, in the confessions, and in our prayers about how Jesus took on human flesh so that he might experience what it is to be one of us. As Paul says poetically in Philippians, let us be of the same mind, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born to human likeness, And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. I want to propose that God had another reason to come to earth and take flesh. To be close to us and to really see us as we are. That God loves us so much that they wanted to see us from every possible angle and know us in as many different ways as they possibly could. Not that God doesn't and didn't see us in those ways both before and after Jesus' presence here on earth. Jesus doesn't need to be here physically to see us that clearly, that honestly. What Jesus' presence does, particularly in this little vignette of a few hours in his life, is let us see that it is true. Help us to know that yes, we are seen and we are known. After spending this time watching hundreds of people come and go, Jesus picks one person out, a widow. It would be hard for him to find somebody smaller or less important than a widow in first century Palestine. A woman with virtually no social standing, completely dependent on the support of her children, often grudgingly given. In picking out that one tiny, practically invisible person, and saying that what she is doing is not only just as important as what the bigwig scribes and the rich people are doing, but even more so, Jesus says to all of us, all of us, that no matter how small or invisible or unimportant we feel we are, God sees us and knows us and loves us, and there's nothing we need to do for that to be the case. I could never again wear a geeky t-shirt or my Wesley Crusher sweater, and I could still know that I am seen, known, and loved for who I really am. 
No matter my job, my GRE scores, or what I give to the church, God sees me, God knows me, God loves me. So right before the discussion of the budget, I've taken what's usually used as the basis for stewardship sermons and given you an anti-stewardship sermon. In what may be considered my final official act as a housekeeper, I'm telling you that how much you give, how much work you do for the church, or how often you attend makes absolutely no difference at all to God. You are just as important, just as loved as anyone who does more of any of those things. And with my apologies to Jeff, our treasurer, and to Reagan, and to Lori, Mrs. Hughes, I have to say that I feel that's some of the very best good news there is. Amen. You have been listening to the sermon podcast for House for All Sinners and Saints. If you like what you've been hearing and would like to support the ongoing ministry of our church, just go to our website, www.houseforall.org, and click on Give.